Welcome to the Do Us A Favour podcast, the podcast which brings together ideas, tips and tricks to encourage a bit of self-care. Alongside gender-related conversations and discussions on the current happenings from around the world. I'm Tanisha. And I'm Katie. And welcome, and welcome to, the to the podcast. Hello and welcome to episode two of our podcast. Thanks for coming back. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, exciting so, times. I know. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm not too bad. Um, it's actually just started tipping it down outside and I can't quite get my breath about how ready it's something on. Well, after a week of it being, what, like 30, 31 degrees, it's been sweltering so so hot I'm like a bit of rain a bit of light relief is going to be good because it's been so hot my flat can't take it <laughs> yeah I know so my partner James actually be delighted because he's at the point now where he says uh, in the middle of the day he's like I'm just gonna go for a dip in the pool which actually means he's been running cold water in our bar and then sitting in it <laughs> naked and working from there because he's been so hot <laughs> <laughs> this is a true story um uh, it's just oh. and like yeah it's getting ridiculous he's so naked in our flat all the times it's really inappropriate when on when trying to work yeah so i mean great. that that must be really inappropriate when you're on you know video calls and webex and ms teams chats yeah, <laughs> yeah. the amount James of times <laughs> the amount of times i promise you i've had to grab the camera on my laptop and like shriek in the background just hope no one's seen or heard anything uh, the perils <laughs> of working at home eh <laughs> yeah i know so um just on that speaking of last last episode of this episode did you manage your digital detox i actually did so you well gave well yeah done. pat me on my back <laughs> oh if you could hear that um but yeah so i took the challenge of going through my apps going through my emails kind of cancelling or de- deactivating accounts where I wanted to keep them for kind of future use, but I didn't really want them in my life in terms of being nice. live. Yeah. I did that for Facebook. Um, I deleted Snapchat completely off my phone, deleted my <gasps> account and everything. No more Snapchat. I, I organized all my apps into groups. So they're in the little kind of groups of like fitness and health, traveling, takeaways. Oh, that's nice. Little social media organization. So on my iPhone, I only have one screen. So there's no scrolling for like different different screens of all the apps, just one screen, my home screen. Um, and I went through all my emails and sifted them all out. I've got no unreads in any inbox. I deleted my second email account. So I only have my main nice. email account and my work account. And it's all really nice and pretty and clean. And it's been really mm. therapeutic, very therapeutic. It was fantastically satisfying, really, to see everything that I didn't want any more deleted. And I've got everything that I need all in one place. Very nice. So well done. I think you've done it slightly better than I did. So I did clear out my inbox, my work one, which has actually been really great. And there's a lot less overwhelming. I like unsubscribe from all the millions of newspapers and stuff that I was subscribed to, which is a lot less overwhelming in the morning when I switch on my laptop. So that's actually fab. I'm pretty good with not looking at my phone first thing in the morning for an hour, Mm. switch off my alarm and then I don't really go into it. But where I've struggled is in the evenings. Yeah. Not looking at my phone before bed. There's been a couple of occasions where I've got into bed and I've been scrolling still. So I've really Mm. got to get more disciplined. And I don't know why, but I just think my routine's really out of whack. Um, Mm. 
and yeah, I've struggled there. So I want to roll that one over and try and <laughs> try and get that one down. <laughs> yeah, we'll do rollover tasks. But that does make sense though, because yeah. I feel like we where people are working from home or they're furloughed, our diaries are completely different and all mixed up. So actually it makes sense why we're a bit kind of skewed on our daily routines. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So actually, interesting thing, since we last spoke, um, we've obviously now had the last of our press, the daily press briefings. Yes. But one thing I did want to mention, I thought was really interesting. Um, I was listening, shout out to Coronavirus Podcast, got this from them. <laughs> but they gave a breakdown of the gender split um, in terms of like the daily press conferences. So here's some interesting, if not depressing facts for you. Of the 229 speakers at the daily press conferences, 47 were women. There were 92 ministerial appearances. Three were from women. And of the three appearances made by women, all were Prishy Patel. How bleak is that? That is a bleak outlook, if ever I saw one. That is awful. Hello equality. I mean, hello equality. I mean, considering the fact that, you know, of all the people that we need to speak and hear from, the, like, the, the diversity of candidates, sure, surely it could have been better. Surely they could have improved that around who was chosen to speak. And Pretty Patel, yeah. three times. Three times was the only one, and there's, what, six women in the cabinet? Yeah, six or seven women. Which, again, still still not enough, but six women in the cabinet. I think, the yeah, there's a breakdown where it's something like six women in the cabinet, no openly um, kind of LGBTQ identifying people mm-hmm. um and no black ministers no so, black ministers yeah no it's the least diverse cabinet since what 2014 2014 yeah. 2015 pretty, pretty depressing just especially we're in 2020 like come on yeah. and they've only that's, just that's had a reshuffle of gender yeah gender it's the lowest since 2014 yeah and actually i think that kind of poses a very interesting question that's actually our kind of comment of the week this week which is our question really um is whether COVID-19 has actually rolled back the clock on gender equality in the UK so interesting comment of the week then well theme of the week is coronavirus winding back on kind of gender equality we're Mm -hmm. going to specifically look now at the pay gap what were your initial reactions when they came out and suspended it? Well, I think I was kind of shocked initially because, you know, one thing that kind of strikes me is the fact that businesses already have the data. They have, they should, if they are a, you know, over the, the headcount of 250, which I believe is the threshold um, yeah. to, to report on the gender pay gap, they should already be gathering a lot of the data already. Um, and actually, the the suspension is on reporting on that data. So I think for the the you know as and as much as maybe an admin burden that might be to suspend it completely, I think it's quite a rash decision to make. You know, I completely understand that HR teams are really kind of strung out at the moment. They're having to deal with furloughing staff and redundancies in some places. Um, but you know, I I I was quite disappointed. I think to. To think that's the, the government's initial reaction two weeks before the deadline was to just suspend it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's my thing, isn't it? I, on the one hand, you completely get it because firms are in a really difficult position. 
lots of HR teams would have been further, the people making redundancies, there's a lot more kind of around mental health that they're focusing on now. So it might not be, and this is the thing, might not be the number one priority. But what I found with coronavirus is the whole time it's caused a real equality issue. Mm. It's shown kind of disproportionate impacts across the board. So actually, shouldn't this remain at the top of the agenda because it's such an important issue so I think that's that's where it's difficult and like we have such a problem with our gender pay gap as it is Mm. so interesting that you mentioned about some of the firms um already having the data I saw an analysis by PwC that showed approximately 48 percent of organizations uh continue to voluntarily report on their pay gaps from 2019 to 2020 Mm -hmm. um some of that would already have been submitted prior to the suspension. Um, But it shows some interesting figures. So I think they also talk about the fact that 70% of the FTSE 100 continue to disclose um, actual financial services, particularly banks, being the most likely to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that's because they're under less pressure than some of the other sectors. Um, But yeah, so it's interesting to see that there is actually still some data to analyse. Yeah, I think there's there's interesting that you know if if the data that has been provided already that that voluntarily provided data to be analysed is is going to be really interesting because there's some data that Pinsett Masons have looked through. They've looked through the data that has been provided already. Um, as you say, it's it's simply a proportion of of those who reported the year before. Um, but they've kind of found that the median pay gap for all those companies that have reported is ten point six percent, which is an increase from last year's pay gap, which was nine point six percent. So that's a whole percent increase in terms of a gap. And obviously they're skewed. We don't have the full data set as we did before. So the, the, the kind of analysis that comes after this kind of the, the numbers is going to be quite an interesting one. And obviously we have to take those things into account. But the fact that from broadly speaking, it's gone up is, is a worry. And that's nothing to do with COVID. That's, yeah, see, that's in. Do you that's, know what I mean? That's in. Yeah, that was prior all this. So that's interesting because so on the, the PwC study, they say that where they've compared like for like data, compared, compared yeah. like for like data. Um, so looking at company, the specific companies that have reported 2018 and 2019, they saw a small decrease. But I mean, the decrease was like 0.5 percent. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's not like substantial wins here. Um, but it's still going. On. Yeah. So no, it's decreased. Oh, sorry, but it's, it's only decreased by zero point five percent. Yeah. So the change remains very, very small. Mm. Which actually, if anything, shows we need to be doing it this year because who knows what's going to happen over the next twelve months. Well, that's the thing as well. It's like if we look forward, given the fact that we've been having to deal with furlough issues, the the job retention scheme, for example, you know, originally that was an 80% pay cut a lot of businesses were having to do mm. or take. And even now, as the job retention scheme's continuing on, it's been extended, businesses will now have to start paying more than the more than the um they were paying before effectively. The government was paying that 80% before and now businesses are having to take percentage on month by month. And they're having to include kind of national insurance payments in there and so on. So you know, actually, the capacity for it to get worse is quite big. There's actually quite a big yeah. worry there that, you know, as with with the, the 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 initial response to COVID was to help businesses out, which is which has been really good. Actually, it is going to do damage to the porting, and we all know that. You know, the whole point of of reporting on gender pay gaps is to get that genuine view of the issues at hand, 
getting really clear about the levels where the issues are, you know, teams, whether it's kind of those who are coming in as new employees or those who have been here for 10 years, that data is going to give you a much better view of the situation. And then you find those solutions. So to not have that yeah. data for a year, I feel like it's, it's just going to put us back. And we haven't really been doing it that long anyway. We, you know, the, the gender pay gap reporting, um, well, making it bring bring it in from the business uh, for for businesses from the government was what 2017 i think was when it started so we haven't got that much data as a backlog anyway we need to grow data to be able to get proper embedded solutions so you know yeah yeah, it's disappointing and i think what you'll see is because this is and this is thing because coronavirus is having such an impact on so many different kind of minority groups if you like although uh, kind of female identifying people aren't actually a minority in this country but mm. in terms of disadvantaged groups I think is more what I'm trying to say um, we know that there's such actually a split currently with our gender pay gaps with the different ages as well of course, so for yeah. example um, for under 40 I think actually it's close to around zero it's not that much but among 40 to 49 year olds the gap is currently at 11.4 percent between the ages of 50 to 59 and those over 60 the gender pay gap is actually over 15 percent so these are ons stats and the ons kind of says and is not declining strongly over time um so that is problematic in itself yeah i mean i I think what 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 we're seeing there is that coronavirus is also having an impact on kind of the sector's that perhaps employ women more predominantly, like your kind of retail, your hospitality and leisure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a problem there. I mean, not only is it a problem, but it's that kind of age range is very much linked or can be mirrored to childbearing age and the age within which women maybe choose to have children or settle down. And that links to parental leave and paternity leave and so on. And that's, you know, you can imagine on a graph, can't you? You can imagine that gap just being huge of the impact of on on those age groups, but then of the pay gap on those age groups, but then it linking, correlating very nicely, I think, to maybe traditional years of 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 having children and the wider kind of impact that has on kind of, you know, equal equal rights in the workplace, equal pay in the workplace, you know, equality between male and females going on parental paternity and maternity leave um and the wider systemic issues within businesses around the the discrepancies there and inequalities there that's definitely something that needs to be discussed a hell of a lot more i think yeah and that's again something that coronavirus had such a major impact in isn't it because what you found is that women we've almost like gone back to the 1950s (laughs) where women are um you know looking after the children if they've got if got children in your household whilst also doing kind of the more domestic duties as mm-hmm. well. So there was, yeah, there's some figures where it was um, University of Sussex found that the proportion of mothers who report being responsible for 90 to 100% of childcare has risen from 27% to 45% during the lockdown, wow. which is actually huge, with 7 in 10 mothers saying they are completely or mostly responsible for homeschooling. Yeah. And another thing that I saw was that, um, this was quite interesting, working mothers have been able to do only one hour of uninterrupted paid work for every three hours men have done. So that came from um, a study from fiscal studies in the UCL Institute of Education, which also found that mothers were 47% more likely to have permanently lost their jobs or quit, and 14% were more likely to have been furloughed since the start of the crisis. So basically, 
coronavirus has had a huge impact on women economically and in terms of kind of the balance in the home much more disproportionately than it's had on men even mm. though men are actually twice as likely to have been um to pass away from coronavirus especially those from south asia you know bangladeshi men being the highest most vulnerable group but actually when you look at some of the other what's the word like non-direct impact of coronavirus in terms of health mm. it's actually impacting women which is why it is definitely rolling it back and if we're then not reporting on the gender pay gap how are we going to monitor the effects of this mm. and that that's yeah. Well, this so this so looking at that, the breakdown. So you've got um, I found some interesting stuff that came from the Women's Budget Group within mm-hmm. a report they released in March 2020, um, and they were saying so you've got 87% of men. So this is obviously prior to coronavirus. I'm yeah. sure this will shift, but just as a as a the average normal situation for the for us for the UK, 87% of men in paid work are full time, whereas that's only 59% of women. Uh, women are now 47% of those in employment, but are still the majority, 74% of those in part-time employment. Um, and then when you kind of look at the different groups, Bangladeshi and Pakistani women are still kind of like the, the least employed. Mm-hmm. So, and also women account for 69% of low earners. Yeah. And apparently that's barely changed since 2018 um, and has been a constant since 20, uh, 2011. <laughs> that we've always been the lowest earners but this and this again it goes thing. back to traditional sectors it's those sectors yeah, isn't well, it, of yeah. caring cleaning a cl- uh, clerical like all those sorts of things yeah but the other thing is that we know this we know that women are uh, at this disadvantage we know already there's so much data you like you said what was it 2011 was the 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 that from that data set where it'd been consistent since. yeah that they've, ca- they've counted it since kind of 2011 and we've yeah. remained the lowest paid yeah. so give or take a decade that's just this decade like we've known about these issues but they haven't been improving like you you know you said that the the gender pay gap for the for the the like for like comparison this year there was a less than a percent of 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 an improvement and it's just you know that's we're clearly not making any progress the solutions that are coming forward either aren't working or the data just, you know, is is still too early to be acted upon. I don't know what the issue is, but there, there needs to be something that, that has to give to support women and yeah. make it more equal for men and women. Not just yeah, because it's not just an issue for it? it's not just a woman's issue as well, or an issue that women have to deal with. This is something that we need to bring men in on as well, and they have to be part of that solution. It can't just be something for women. Yeah. Well, women not working is an economic issue in itself in terms of productivity. Like the UK is not yeah. going to be as financially able to do all the things it needs to do if women aren't working and actually getting paid the same as men and being in those kind of sectors which traditionally pay a bit more. Because this is one of the issues is the fact that traditional female identifying roles are lower paid so that that's a problem to begin with and actually if, mm. if anything i hope coronavirus highlights that some of those kind of professions that we actually really need on are turns out highly skilled aka caring mm-hmm. you know care homes predominantly female employers yeah. um actually they do deserve a bit more pay a bit more attention and a bit more recognition so so i think what's really important is that we need to clearly look at the ways of combating the issue and finding the solutions that actually work rather than, you know, assuming that it's going to get better on its own, simply because we're reporting on it now. 
um and that there's actually um, and apparently we're not reporting on it <laughs> so well, we're not reporting on it but because yeah. that's the thing is that that's the worst thing about it we're not actually reporting on it so what should we be doing because otherwise coronavirus is going to continue this cycle of winding back on equality mm-hmm. so i wonder if there's something around there's something that that's a, maybe a, it's very kind of policy heavy there's something where there could be a, a policy or a law kind of introduced that enables equality or around parental leave so that when mm. you're you're a female you're having a baby and you go on your leave for however long that might be you know men only get what is it a few weeks leave compared to I think it's two weeks two weeks it's, yeah. it's nothing you know it's nothing there should be a minimum or or even definitely not a maximum but there should be kind of an opportunity for men to kind of say well I would like to take three weeks or a month two months and they should then be able to level up the the jobs that happen at home within that as well that time yeah so it, it should I don't even think it needs to go further than men having to ask um or kind of expect fathers or you know the second partner in the household having to ask what it need it almost needs to be kind of statutory so they get the same as kind of mothers um because otherwise you're going to have the kind of stigma people not feeling comfortable to be able to do that it's not traditional I don't want to stand out or you you will get people that kind of take the lead and that's really good and I think the Mm. higher up people do that it's a good message but yeah definitely needs to be something kind of statutory and then also firms to consider it in their policies yeah um, Mm. making sure that their policies are reflective and equal Mm. um I think the other thing is to where possible encourage firms to keep reporting on the pay gap even if you're doing it internally and you're not publishing it if you can right now continue to do that because next year as we've seen women are more likely to have been furloughed more likely to have lost or quit their jobs the data is going to be worse and it is going to be skewed because of an environment which is a very unusual environment so you need to be able to see this year what progress was or wasn't made so you can make sure yeah. your policies are extra on it mm-hmm. for the next 12 months um yeah yeah for sure and I, I think the other one is almost managers having a chat with themselves and saying, when I speak to, you know, female identifying colleagues, do I say, do you need time off for childcare? How are you coping? Do I have that same conversation with the with fathers yeah. that I have in my team? Yeah. You know, do I have that same? If I'm not, I need to start doing that, especially as we're now running up to what would traditionally be the summer holidays. Children will be going back to school in September. We've still got this caring kind of situation where you'll be working, caring and this, mm-hmm. at the same time. So we need to make sure that managers are actually saying you you need to take some time off to look after your kids as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's important around that internal piece for business. You know, a lot of businesses can't just wait. You, we shouldn't just be waiting around for the government to make their case. If businesses have the data, they can report it internally. Those type of conversations between managers and employees can happen tomorrow. It's not something that has to be waiting around for. It's a a policy that can happen internally. And I think it's also, you know, when things like this happen, when they get implemented internally within businesses, it's really quite attractive for the next generations who come in. So the attracting of the the next generation of the workforce, you know, your, your graduates who are just coming out, your apprentices who are just coming out, highly more likely to want to come to a company where they know that these types of issues are front and center and that there is and maybe we'll level, a level playing field you know there's complementary policies internally between men and women it's much you know i know as quite a young person in in business that that's much more attractive to me than a business who does not care about this at all and- yeah and someone you want to invest your time with 
longer term than someone I just want to get this job okay I'm year in but actually they don't align with me at all I want to get out as soon as I can yeah exactly yeah and I think yeah for sure um and I think I'm, I'm gonna throw this one in there because my friend Sophia tweeted it today and I was like yes hun <laughs> so there was like a, a daily mail bit random it was a daily mail headline today about boris talking about how he was you know fit as a dog or whatever it was and he was back and he was also changing nappies and cleaning and she tweeted we also need to stop praising men for helping with their own children and other domestic duties i mean yeah so true so true it shouldn't be praised for looking after your own children or the children that you have parental responsibility and guidance over no you just do that you should just be doing it just it should do just it. be something you do with whoever you have yeah i'm sorry but to highlight a male's capacity to help with you know midnight check-ins and feeds is just ridiculous it's just ridiculous but also just doing the clean responsibilities because the data is out there during coronavirus women are doing it more mm-hmm um they are more likely to have lost their jobs they're more likely to be in low pay sectors like this is why it's so important that we're still kind of reporting and talking about these issues because coronavirus is disproportionately impacting so many different people in lots of different ways we can't focus on one area and not focus on all of them so after that intense discussion but important discussion about the gender pay gap uh we're going to move on to theme of the week which again is something that has come up at our women's networks discussions um but this week uh very much linked to covid we're trying to answer the question of how to be more productive or how to be productive um when you live and work in the same space especially important for people who work from home nowadays and will probably end up working from home in the long run as well. Yeah, for the foreseeable. And especially when we don't necessarily live in spaces designed for working from home. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Especially if we live in flats that are really small, for example. So, Or small small houses. Or small houses. If only I had a garden. Oh, life. Anyway, so what did you come up with? What are your tips and tricks for for optimising the workspace? Okay, so... As always, first port, port of call was Google, but actually Google is not very fruitful. Mm. So really interesting. What I did find when I did my research was that lots of articles that did come up with something were based from like 2009 and 2012, which again oh. goes back to like difficult professions. Yeah. wonder if there's lots of people doing startups then. And everything was all about living in live workspaces, not like we are right now, but more warehouses that can be used as studios and live in and mm. purpose built. So anyway, that, that was an interesting fact. Yeah. So I've actually mainly gone for things that I've been doing myself Fab. as my tips. Let's do it. So, okay. So the first one, and the reason I am coming up with this one is because um, because of my condition ME, I've always had to like do lots of talking with the doctors about kind of working and sleeping and all that sort of stuff. And the number one rule they always say to me is don't work in your bedroom. But right now, that is like not a privilege for a lot of people. Yeah. So I think my first tip is don't work in your bed. So I'm not going to say don't work in your bedroom, but don't work in your specific bed so that you only associate your bed with sleep time. Yeah. So if you can help it, if you do have to work in your bedroom, work with your bed behind you out of sight um, so that it looks like a different space. Mm-hmm. But if you can't do that, I'm going to suggest trying to make your bed look different in the day when it's working hours to when it's non-working hours. So, for example, 
if you had a bed cover that was kind of two-sided, maybe you could have one kind of design for work time, different side for the other, or flip your pillows, get them off, make it like a day bed, just change it up so it looks yeah. different so your mind appreciates it differently. Mm-hmm. Then my second tip, change the space you work in or tidy your stuff away if it's like a dual purpose room or place. So mm-hmm. for example, I now work at um, a table that we bought before we went into lockdown and it's like a fold, foldy one. So you yeah. can fold the sides up and down. And then when it's work time, I fold the whole table out it takes up like the whole of my lounge. <laughs> um, I fold the whole thing out and I have a set routine. I kind of like get all my keyboard out, my mouse, my stand. The minute work is done, the whole thing goes away. Half of the table gets folded back down yeah. and I hide everything. So you can't see my laptop. I like hide the mouse in a drawer in a box. And then I get out all these little trinkets and pots and unnecessary tap <laughs> that I have because it looks cute because it's all gold. And I put those back <laughs> out so these little tiny bowls that I bought because I actually thought I was gonna use them for tapas turns out they're for olives and nuts so that oh. was really sad for the <laughs> um now they're just decorative bowls and a plant but that all goes back on the table so it looks like a different space that's the point I'm making it looks like yeah. a different space yeah um, that's important and I think even if you do something for example like you have a shower after you've done that or you change clothes or you, you need to just come up with something that looks separate to the work, work time and the non-work time. Yeah. And then the third thing I had, which again links to kind of separation, but I'm going to call it boundaries. Boundaries for yourself, but also boundaries for your colleagues. Mm-hmm. So, and this is the one I'm uh, absolute hypocrite for saying because I don't do it at all. So I'm going to try perhaps this week to do it. But <laughs> try and work during set times of the day and then you're keeping like hours separate so you're maintaining separation between work time and home time um and I saw a quote where somebody was like the more you get done the more there is to do which is so true because the list is never ending (laughs) um so yeah basically trying to keep that separation for productivity only working during set hours of day the longer you work if you've been working since nine o'clock and you're still working at nine you're probably not being very productive anyway can it wait to the next day utilize things like your calendar in your kind of like uh, your work calendar put in time that's called you know do not disturb or Mm -hmm. deep work dedicated time if somebody is set their microsoft teams or whatever they're using to a do not disturb actually don't disturb them yeah i think that's really important make sure that if you have to set a reminder or send an email instead do that but leave them alone Mm. because that helps with everybody's productivity helps with yours and theirs so i just think that's good practice yeah I think I love that point around boundaries and the fact that we're all working different hours of the day where some of us have as we've said already dependents some of us don't some of us live alone you know we we need time to be able to concentrate just on work sometimes just get stuck in and and respecting the boundaries of colleagues very very important I, I definitely like that one and actually speaking of productivity I think so similar for me this week in terms of you know, the, the, the experience and the tips and tricks that I have are more for what I've tra- been trying to do rather than what mm. is on Google or what have you. Um, it was mad how little there was on Google. I'll be honest. I thought people were going to be churning this stuff out constantly, but definitely... it really wasn't there. No, but it's so interesting that the last kind, the, the, the main kind of articles and blogs were based on, you know, the last, the, the, the economic recession or in yeah. 2012. Yeah. That, that, that's just really interesting to me. But anyway, um, so keeping on the theme of kind of keeping productive and making sure that you're using your time as best as you can 
couple of things. One, I try not to be overproductive. What do I mean by that? Always good to be productive. But just because you're at home more and you maybe you've got your setup just right and maybe everything's okay doesn't mean that you need to fill every minute of every hour with doing something productive so if you're working you've got your kind of morning you've got your lunch and you've got your afternoon if there's a break in between or if it's lunchtime don't do some chores don't clean Mm. don't get the hoover out don't do the dishwasher or the washing machine you would never have done those things on a normal working day if you were in the office I think the cross-contamination of work and chores or kind of work life and personal life is, is it can be a disaster because you, you yeah. know, I certainly get overwhelmed by just having to, you know, just, just forcing myself to do too much because it seems like I should be doing it. I'm like guilt tricking well, myself thing, into thinking I need to do both. Don't do it if you feel pressured to do it. If it's convenient for you to do it at that time because you've changed your working and you're working like mornings, not in the middle, and then afternoons, fine. But it's the pressure. And that goes back to the whole thing we were talking about earlier, wasn't it, about women doing more of the domestic duties now? Yeah, absolutely. So literally have a chat with yourself and be like, actually, this is my work time and I'm happy to work right now. Yeah, and be okay with Love it. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, talk to yourself. And if you can, if there's someone that you live with or what have you, try and schedule yourselves up quite nicely. But ultimately... And this kind of leads on to my second point is that don't, don't, just don't try and do too much just because we're at home and we, we don't, we know, we, we seemingly have more time because if we don't have the commute, for example, use that time that you would have had as a commute to, to do that exercise you would have had, you know, normally for a commute, you would have had a, it would have, you would, you wouldn't have been working probably. You would have probably walked to a tube station or a bus station. You would have cycled or got in your car. You would not have worked. So I think it's really, really important, actually, in terms of that work-life balance for when you're at home is utilising that time you would have had to commute to go on a walk or to go on a run or to get the yoga mat out and do a workout inside or use your carpet or whatever. Do some exercise and keep that element going because I think there's a tendency when we're working from home, and I know this very, very well, is that I sit down all day. So I don't, unless it's to get lunch, to, to walk to the kitchen, which is two feet away from me because my office is now in my lounge. I don't get up. I just sit in my chair and I work, 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 work. So yeah, I don't, I'm still not taking lunch really. Well, That's the, my, yeah, my you don't take so lunch till the afternoons. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause I mean, that was normal for me anyway, but it was normally two, not like four, yeah. but my partner will literally be like, you need to get up now because you've not got off your seat, seat. apart from to go for a wee. Yep for the past four hours it's true though so yeah if you can set that in at least at the beginning of the day like you're saying or even at the end of your working day when you'd normally be coming home I think that's really great yeah yeah absolutely and uh, yeah and stick it in your diary so that everyone knows yeah exactly if even if it's just 10 minutes I mean like just walking around the area that you've got it's your it's your posture it's your back it's your well-being it's Mm. physically like you've said boundaries of physically leaving that office space even if it's just a desk or your bed just getting out of it for a few minutes really really important and again just remember that just because you you know if you you wouldn't have done all these things at work if you were at an office or if you were on site or whatever your job is at a shop you would not have done these things so try and replicate as much of that time kind of divided time as as you can basically from working from home yeah, I think that's really good because there's so much pressure to be on right now and to be seen as visible. Um, so actually, we need to set boundaries and be really strict with them because mm. it's not productive to always be on. Yeah. And I understand people have anxieties if they're working in industries that 
necessarily aren't very secure mm. but actually the best thing you can do is be productive and look after yourself and your own mental well-being yeah absolutely right and with that in mind what are you going to do this week what are you going to try and do this week to kind of optimize your work yeah what are you committing to this week so oh god i don't know i'm gonna do you know what i'm gonna try and do some of the boundary stuff so i'm gonna try and not work past a certain time mm. we'll see how that goes and i'm also maybe gonna try and utilize that time that i would normally do the commute mm. and do something productive with that because i think my problem is I'm really bad at getting out and exercising in the evening. I get too tired or I've worked too late. I'm quite bothered. If I do it first in the morning, it's actually no excuse. Yeah. And you actually feel better for doing it in the morning. I don't know. I don't know if however anyone else feels out there, but exercise in the morning, I feel like it just sets you up and it feels so good. Well, it helps good. with your circadian rhythm because especially if you yes. get outside, it will help like stimulate the mind to realise it's, mm. you know, light and set the, the right yeah. hormones off and all that. Yeah. And also, okay what's yours well okay so I think I'm going to I mentioned that my office is in my lounge and I have mm. like a monitor in my desk and my chair I love you're calling it an office now I know it's not my office my office oh my god I sound so posh and tofty it's like a crappy desk and like a chair no that's cute that's an office <laughs> in, in the on. corner yeah. in these days that counts uh, as an office <laughs> I was gonna say let's just be honest right now can't afford an office so won't even go there anyway I'm gonna I am going to pack up the desk that I have so what I have at the moment my monitor's out I leave my laptop open like face up my mouse is there my papers oh, oh no oh no so all, I, all, I, the only thing I do is like get off my chair and that's it <laughs> so no because then you're looking at your work stuff yeah, the whole time all evening like oh yeah. work I could be doing this and emails mm. yeah and my kitchen and my dining area which is oh, so again I live in a flat in Stratford let's be real it's tiny but you can see my desk if just if you're in the kitchen if you're yeah. in that like it's all open, open plan so yeah I'm gonna try and just be a bit more bit more cohesive put, tuck stuff away even if it's just putting it on the seat of my chair and tucking my chair in so that it's yeah. not on yeah. view yeah. I'm going to try and do that and see see if that helps. I, yeah, yeah, definitely want to optimise that space that I've got. So. Cool. Symbolise to your that. brain, we're done. It's not working more. And the space goes back to its primary purpose, its original purpose. Fab. So as we come to the end of our second show, thanks for sticking with us there, um, we've touched on two important topics this week. We've got the gender inequality issues that are coming out of COVID-19 um, and also how we maintain productivity and our mental and physical well-being while working and living in the same space. But if you do one thing this week, we are going to ask you to do us a favour and talk to people at work about gender pay gap reporting, whether it's highlighting the UK's gender pay gap data, which data is really important, or speaking to your firm about what they're doing to address the inequality issues that are arising from coronavirus, despite perhaps not reporting on their gap, or actually just asking them to do that and explaining why it could still be really important, have the conversation this week. So that's it for another episode of Do Us A Favour. Let us know if you've tried any of our top tips or if there are any subjects you want us to discuss in future episodes in the comment section below. Join us again for the next episode. We have content for the next four episodes. So <laughs> you're not going to get rid of us that easily. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we get no listens. <laughs> no, we're, we're good. We're good. We're good. But until next time, we'll see you soon.
Bye. Bye.